Thank you for joining me today on Geezers of Gear, episode number 191. And so today's episode is brought to you by Act Entertainment. The new Robert Juliet Sully 4C Zoom profile is likely exactly the fixture you've been looking for. Whether you're seeking versatility or trying to match fixtures in an existing rig, Robert Juliet's color software allows you to create the exact color and fade characteristics you want, making it possible for the Sully 4C to emulate other fixtures you already own and achieving exactly the look you need. Why settle for just one or two fixture types when you can have them all in one with Robert Juliet 4C Zoom? Available now from Act Entertainment at www.actentertainment.com. Or if you happen to be listening to this on its release date and you're visiting USITT, look for the 4C Zoom at the ACT booth. Also, please visit www.coffeecult.com, and that's coffee with a K, cult with a K, dot com, and search for Geezer's Grind. It's a killer blend that's not too strong, but will definitely get you going in the morning. And proceeds from this coffee, from the sale of the coffee, go to Roby Backstage to support people in our industry with medical or other challenges. Good day, and thanks again for joining me today. I am looking forward to today's podcast. It's actually a gentleman I don't know, and I've been learning a little bit about, and uh, so I'll talk to you about that in a second. Um, We have been getting a lot of interesting comments and uh, messages and emails and thoughts from people on this racing podcast I just did with Jeremy a couple of days ago, uh, episode 190, if you haven't heard it yet. And uh, I'm thinking we'll actually do another one at some point, but we'll bring along some of the diehard racing junkies uh, in our community, in the live event space, Um, people like Sooner Ruthier and Bob Boniel and so many others who, some of whom I didn't even know were into racing until after this, they reached out and went, oh my God, I'm a huge fan. And so, um, yeah, again, it's fun and obviously a a little bit self-serving for me since it's my son who's the driver. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if there's anything that you see as a great idea out there that we should be covering, just reach out to me and maybe we'll do a podcast together and cover that. So um, yeah, I'm always looking for interesting topics, interesting people, etc. So today's guest is a gentleman named Omar Colom, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I guess it's probably Colom. And Omar is the founder of AV Educate and the National Director of Education for Evolve Technology. Uh, He holds over a dozen certifications and train the trainer certification in various disciplines and uh, all over AV and is also a second generation video engineer and passionate about helping others, obviously, since he's involved in so many different educational things. Uh, And I want to talk a whole bunch about that today. But he's helping other people uh, to reach their own education goals in the AV industry, which is pretty cool. And I see a huge need for it 
Uh, he should probably even expand his curriculum to include things like concert touring. So um, one of the great things is Omar is also a decorated combat veteran, and I definitely want to talk about that. He uh, served in the U.S. Army. He is not actively serving, but uh, definitely grateful for his service and want to talk to him a bit about that. So, all right, well, good afternoon there, Mr. Omar. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Today, today's been a good day. Today is today is a good day in general. The skies are good. I'm in, I'm in beautiful South Florida, so it's always good weather here, but yeah, uh, today's been a good day. I'm a little north of you, I think. I'm in Wellington. Oh, okay. So, I'm, yeah, you're north of me. I'm, I'm in Plantation, so a little further down. Yeah, cool. So, you know all the Plantation, like the lighting mafia down there, Gary and <laughs> Noel and, you know, all those yeah, guys. I've sure. never heard of them called mafia, but yeah, for sure. I just made that up now. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Though. Ron it, Watkins. It makes sense, though. Ron Watkins. It's, it's like the production mafia in Plantation. Yeah. Half of them have moved to the Keys now, though, so... Doesn't oh man, count. it's a whole other market down there. God bless their souls. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, Omar, you you have a really interesting story, and I want to get into a whole bunch of it. But uh, I wanted to first kind of start on how you got into the business. I I know you are second generation video guy, and um, and I just found out I know your dad. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of world. interesting. So you were literally yeah. born into the business. I was, yes, that is, that is how I like to say things, right? I was born into the business, yeah. but you know, I try, I try to be, I try to be more, more professional. I say, Oh, I've been doing it for 12, 13 years. Um, cause no one wants to believe that. We're like, Oh, you, there's no way. I was like, well, technically yeah. there is a way my yeah. dad's been doing this forever. So I, I grew up, I grew up watching him do this. Right. And it, I just, it, it became a passion right out of the womb, essentially. Yeah. So you were going to shows with him when you were a little kid and no, unfortunately yes and no. So I did a lot of shop work. Yeah. You have to QC a lot of things and fix things and get to see like the setup stuff. Um, you know, much, much, much different experience, you know, 20, 30 years ago than it is nowadays. But right. I got to experience that. And my dad always make pictures and always I saw stuff hanging on the wall and I hear the stories from all the guys and the crews. And I got family that does this as well on the other side. So I was yeah. always immersed in it. And then in middle school and high school, I did, I did all the electives were always AV related, broadcast, theater, cool. whatever I could figure out. So the, yeah. the, when I got to 16, I got a little bit older. I did get to do some shows and that was like really cool. Oh shit, this is really cool. You know, yeah. but back thinking back then, I didn't know it was between a concert or a corporate event. So to me, it was like, oh, stage lights, this has to be a concert. This is gonna be great. Right. And I didn't get the stage. So I was like, I got to see a lot of cool stuff. But I met really cool people. You know, one of the one of the not to get off a tangent here. I met Wolf one time. You met who? Wolf's like, you know, back in the day, I met Wolf. Uh, I won't say his real name, but his name is Wolf, and he used to be a producer for Bob Marley. Yeah. But I met him in South Florida. And we Jeez. did a show together to hear his stories about Bob Marley, to hear his, his the way he works, his his ethics and how they do things through my father. Like that was just like, oh, this is this is the industry to be in. This is cool, you know? That's you get to meet really cool. cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So like what was what was you said you were at the shop from a really young age. What was the youngest you can remember being there where you were doing something other than like sitting in the corner with a coloring book? So I remember I was probably between ten and twelve. I was in the wow. shop and we were building, we were building road cases and uh, this is an egotistical story, but I remember we were building road cases and my dad was like, Oh, I want you to tighten down these, uh, these bolts for the wheels to go to the road case. And I was like, right. Oh, I got this. So I'm, I'm ratcheting down, ratcheting down, ratcheting down. And he's like, make sure they're really, really tight. So I'm trying to like put all my strength in this. I ended up breaking the bolt off. What? And he was like, yeah, he's like, okay, Mr. Muscles, not that tight. You said, I was like, you said tight. Yeah. So like, that's a, a good memory I have back in the day when they were, they were back on, Man, this is in Para Pines, so like Pines Road or something is where I was back in Pines. Wow! And I remember I was doing that, and I just one of them I just snapped it clean off, and he's like, 
okay, well, this case is going to take me longer to fix now. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> like, funny? So we were talking about how we didn't know each other, even though we're both in South Florida. Well, I used to live in Pembroke Pines on Pines oh, Boulevard okay. or just off yeah. Pines Boulevard, right? And, I grew up in uh, Silver Lakes. What's that? I grew up in Silver Lakes. That's crazy. I Well, so I started my journey in Pembroke Pines right next to Silver Lakes in uh, Spring Valley, I think it was called, or Spring something. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and then I moved to Grand Palms, and okay. uh, so I lived in Grand Palms for I don't know ten years or something, and uh, and then moved up here to Wellington. As uh, Grand Palms to Wellington is a big change for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It was uh, <laughs> it was a huge change for me, but I love it up here. I uh, I'd keep moving further north if I could, you know, or maybe even yeah. west. I might eventually move over to the west coast of Florida. You know, we, my company had a physical building that we moved from Weston up to Wellington. And okay. so I was kind of bolted down to Wellington, but we've been totally remote for seven years now, I think. And oh, awesome. so really I could live anywhere. I could live in Vietnam if I wanted to and run the company. So, um, you know, it's the miracles of, of modern technology and stuff, right? I guess in your business, it's a little different. You have to kind of be present. Well, not on the training side. Uh, that's debatable. Yeah, <laughs> I did be present for some of it, but it, it is a lot of emails, a lot of back and forth. Yeah, um, yeah. I had so many emails. I mean, anybody does business, right? It's tons and tons of emails and tons and tons of like, you know. But when you have a whole it, bunch of students, I can't even imagine how many emails you're getting. You know, that's yeah. That's well, crazy. that's the other thing. between the manufacturers and the students, I'm getting a lot, and it's like the students are generally either looking for information or they're inquiring about information or they. They want to know the other side. Like, hey, I took a class. I'm waiting for something else from the manufacturer. It's like I could follow up, but it's out of my hands at this point. Like, yeah. you know, Novasar or Aqualon has it or Barco has it. Like, I, yeah. I can only do some. And then to the other, and then the other side of that's dealing with the manufacturers and like helping coordinate with them classes, like Green Hippo, for example, or Novasar, for example. We have we have collaboration with them where we bring in trainers to use our facilities between Orlando, Vegas, and Texas. Yeah. So it's like coordinating that back and forth, and then. Also, you know, drumming up the new business side and the new the new custom classes for the trick people that want to do stuff. So yeah. we do also do like a lot of custom stuff as well, just for individuals who, hey, the classes you posted don't work for me, but I could do it on these dates. Like, okay, cool, let's figure that out. Here's a, if you could do it, I can do it. Or one of my trainers can do it here at Evolve. Uh, so you know, we we make it happen. But either way, it's it's a lot of back and forth coordination and and locking down dates and scheduling and rescheduling and confirming people's schedules. So it's a lot. Yeah. No, I can only imagine. So before we get too far into the company stuff, I I uh, I also understand you joined the military at one point. I did and yes, sir. served. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. I, I mean, you know, how yeah, did you decide so, to do that? Were you a screw up in school and went, I better go straighten myself out in the military? Or that is actually really really accurate. I was. I, I don't, <laughs> it's usually I don't the story. Up. You yeah, know? I was I was definitely um, not not uh, I was a I was a rambunctious child. We'll say that. Yeah, I was very active. I was very, uh, you know, fight the power. I'm a rebel. Yeah, um, kind of like punk rocker kid back in the day. And so you were either going to uh, end up in the AV business or in the military. I guess those are your only two jail. options. Or, or in jail. Those yeah, are or in options. jail. Right. Yeah. Three choices. Oh, um, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. I, my dad raised me uh, all through high school and I, I made a, a clique of friends essentially that I hung out with the most. They were all like JROTC guys. Yeah. Um, so I had a really good connection with those guys and that structure. Uh, and then I met a recruiter who just, uh, without asking me to sign up, kind of just took his time with me and was very patient and, 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 and like motivated me with like some of the, the offsite training for the physical stuff. 
And I was just very fascinated by it. So I got in as a recon guy and then very quickly went to uh, recon. Uh, sorry, got as an infantry guy, very, went quickly to recon uh, and then went to sniper school and then uh, a bunch of other training as well. But um, he helped me out through my whole career. His name was uh, Staff Sergeant Otto. And he helped me out big time. Even from when I got into afterwards, he was just a, a good mentor the entire time I was there. And he, he made the military um, kind of this thing like, hey, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You're going to be young only once, which made total sense. And uh, we're going to pay you all this money to do cool stuff and shoot cool guns and go to war. And, do it. and I was like, you know what? That sounds really cool at this age. I want to do all this cool stuff. I want to jump out of planes. I want to Other shoot than guns, the dying in a foreign stuff. country bit, you know, that, yeah. that's, that's the tough part. Yeah, but, uh, other than that, yeah. it all sounds really fun. Right. Well, for your country, right? Like it's yeah. for your country. And there's all this, like kind of like, you know, oh, right. this is such an affable thing. And then when you get in the military, you're like, oh shit, what the hell did I do? I right. screwed up. Yeah. Not the right call. Yeah. Um, but I, I did it. I loved it. I did great in the military. Honestly, if it wasn't for a couple of things having my last deployment, between losing friends and losing a spouse and everything, um, you know, obviously yeah. to, to death and things like that, I might have stayed in longer. Um, but there is a, you know, there's this thing called learning in your life <laughs> as you get older. And it was like when you started doing the math with how much you got paid versus how much you're you're putting your life on the line. I was like, you know what? Yeah, this yeah. might not be good enough money. Yeah. So dollars per year shortened or whatever or potential. Hundred uh, percent. Look, I'm, I'm 35. Look at all these gray hair. I got yeah. Tons yeah, I get it. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I get it. No, that's that's wild. So how old were you when you signed up? I believe it or not, I was 17 when I signed up with parent wow. consent. My father was like, "You want to go to the military? Sign me. Sign you up. Go ahead." Huh. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a typical old school dad kind of thing, you know? And yeah. I mean, you know, obviously you've become very disciplined. You seem like a very happy person. You seem very well adjusted. You know, I know you're big into fitness and self stuff and, uh, you know, the whole educational thing. So obviously it helped you become who you are. 100%. Yep. Help, help me pay bills. You know, all the benefits I got from the military, yeah. from the recruiter standpoint till now, they're, you know, the banks I have. The medical, the medical, the tricare that I have, all those things have definitely benefited me. Yeah. Yeah. The discipline I got for the military definitely benefited me. And just the, just the way to see it. And I think that's one of the things that people miss sometimes is like the military is, does, does have a downside, right? You put your life on the line, you put your contract, you know, you, you make a contract with the government to say, I will risk, you know, life and limb for my government for X, Y, Z purposes. Yeah. But on the other side to that, there's a camaraderie in the military that you don't get anywhere else. Yeah. There is a, a, a hierarchy in place that you learn so well that when you get out of it, it's very hard to function without that. And then there's, there's a mentality. It's very alpha male, uh, you know, to the plus side, alpha male mentality to the downside. It is kind of like you're in a fraternity party your entire career, yeah. but you get to make E7s and stuff. But I just remember there's a lot of, and, it, and there's a lot of uh, competition and not in an unhealthy way, more like a, I want to motivate you to do better every day. And I want to push yourself. And there's, there's Goggins. a, there's a switch. Yeah. Well, there's a switch. Right? I, I think it's, 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 I think it's sad when people don't do fitness for as not, not saying a lifestyle thing, but do fitness in general, because it's such a small thing to do to, to up your level and your confidence to say, Hey, I couldn't, I could only do five pounds now. And now I could curl 60 pounds. No problem. Like yeah. that achievement is so small and gradual that to be able to that you could do that is such a big thing. And the military is constantly pushing you to improve that physically, constantly, constantly, constantly. So you're seeing these changes. And then what's really cool is like, even for basic time to basic training. So I did, by the way, since I did 17, I did what's called split ops. So I went to the military at 17 for the summer, did basic training, came back to school, did a year with the guard, uh, did a year with the guard, and then the basic training. And then they gave you the option after that. Do you want to go back to the guard and go home or do you want to go full-time, full-time army? So I had a cool time in between that. But I, I what I thought was really cool is that when I first joined, 
that three months that I left, I came back and it was like, man, you gained so much muscle. You look so different. Da, da, da. To me, I was like, I just went through hell. Yeah. Like, what, you know, what? and you got, but they're seeing all these benefits and these positives. And, and to be able to see that, like what I didn't notice, people noticed it immediately. I just after three short months, always carried on to the rest of my life. Even to the point where I got out of the military six years later, you know, go, like, again, like most people probably have done, hopefully in their lives, you go back to where you grew up to, to see stuff. And I saw the same people at the same bars in high school. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I did a lot in six years. I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing that. I'm not going to come back here anymore because you know what? I, I'm happy to see you, but uh, I got shit to do. It's so funny that you say that because I just had that conversation. My son's 18 years old and I had that conversation with him recently where I said, you know what? There was a point in my life where I just sort of checked out on all my friends. I just said, Hey, yeah. look, you know, you guys are all going to be in the exact same spot 10, 15, 100%. 20 years from now. And guess what? They are. And I'm not putting them down. You know, that's what they wanted to do. Right. But I just knew there was something better out there. And something grabbed me and said, you know, for you, it was the military. For me, it was like, you know, who Tony Robbins is and all these uh, yeah. like Napoleon Hill. Well, believe it or not, I was listening to those guys like, what, uh, almost 40 years ago. I was listening to those guys, right? And when Tony Robbins was a young guy and was just really starting out in that game, you know, I was addicted. I, I was buying all his cassette tape sets and listening to them and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta, you really are, you become your friend group. You yeah. know, whoever the people are around you, that circle around you, that's who you're going to become. So if they're really great people, you're going to become that. If they're terrible criminals, you're going to become that. If they're very religious, <laughs> you're probably going to become religious, right? Yeah. So right, we're, we're, we're so used to being comfortable, right? Like as a species, yeah, we want to be comfortable. And sometimes we find that very early in life and sometimes we find it later in life, but we, we want to be comfortable. And I think like, like you're saying what, and what Tony does a lot of times, right? He, he gets you to think outside of that comfort zone and to at least do these steps to get out, outside of there and, and to do it within, right? Not to do it because Tony said to do it, do it because yeah. you want to do it for X, Y, Z reasons. And I think that's, that's the real shift there is that he, he guides you mentally to, to make yourself want to do it more or better. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like, you, oh, Tony said it. you talk yeah. a lot like a lot of the other military guys who do podcasts and stuff, you know, the Dave, David Goggins and all these guys, like all the Navy SEAL guys and stuff. They're very pumped up. They're very motivated. And, you know, they just speak really well. You talk like them. I mean, I don't know if you do any of this stuff for your trainees when you're doing training, if you get up and rah-rah them at the front of the room. Uh, but you certainly have the skill set for it. I can see it. I definitely try to. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at um, going down the rabbit holes with my students. I think yeah. that's what I, I call that. Is like, hey, here's the curriculum. We're going to talk about this. But let me know what you really want to know. We'll stop and go down that. Because I don't want to go past this point and then you're lost because you didn't ask me a question. And do you, um, do you use military like anecdotes and stuff? Like, Do you say when you're sitting in a <laughs> hole and there's guys with guns pointed at you and it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're in a dust storm in the desert – you know, here's how you need to do things. And I want you I doing try, the I same try. thing when you're putting a show into that convention center or whatever, right? So so I used to, not anymore. I, I've gotten away from a lot of that that talk only because there's a book called On Conus. And the book On Conus, pretty much the guy, what he does is he wrote a book about saying, hey, in the military, you would say it this way. In the civilian life, you should say it this way, right? So it's Turn like, it down instead of saying, yeah, oh, okay, I mean, how, how vulgar can I be on your show? Can I, can I say some Christmas? You can say whatever the hell you want. All right. So instead of saying, hey, put your dick beaters to work, right? So put in your hands because you jerk off with that, right? Instead yeah. of saying that, say, hey, can you come help me do this task? Yeah. For me, this it's the same thing, right? One's just like a, like a motivator, like, hey, you're a pussy, get to work. 
Then it was like, oh, here's here's a, let me hold your hand as I tell you to help me do this, right? Yeah. That's been more effective in AV because I used to get, hey, you're you're kind of you're a little abrasive. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to motivate these guys. Well, you can't say that. You can't say dick beater. Yeah. You can't say I disagree. Hold your mouth. I I disagree, right? like, but I mean, I think there's a there's a line between those two. Like, you got to be careful when it gets sexual when you're picking on someone. You know, right, uh, right, like right. you know the generation today. It's a little tough. You know, you could you could offend them with anything. You know, well, and I gotta tell you, I'm, I've I'm, had a line I'm at my door when. So when I had an HR person, I had a line at my door. Sometimes it was just like, Oh my God, another complaint. What did I do now? You know? Yeah. You're like, so. I said, what? Oh, that was in a meeting. I didn't mean it towards that. Yeah. 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 I, 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 as a 35 year old in this, in this new generation, I am still very confused with the, he said, she said stuff. And not because of the verbiage. I got the verbiage. I got the verbiage. I got you on point. It's, yeah. I have to figure you out by looking at you. And sometimes I can't tell the difference anymore. Yeah. You guys are so, uh, whatever it's called, asexual. And at this point, it's like, I don't know whether you're a woman or a man. So I'm just gonna call you a dude. Or I'm gonna call you all unicorns because yeah. that's safe. Yeah. So or, hey, it's you. like, sorry. Well, then you'll get like, some tough dude who don't is. want to be called a unicorn. <laughs> you call me oh, a unicorn. I got to bust your ass. Guy. You know? Yeah. That's funny. No, I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't know which side is right because I do think that we're, we're raising people to be a little soft right now. And, you know, like my son grew up probably much like you, where he grew up pretty, not tough, not like he didn't get in fights and stuff, but he could take whatever you could throw at him with words. And yeah. he's, he's a racing driver. So he grew up at racetracks since he was seven years nice. old. And, you know, racing coaches, mechanics, engineers, all these people, just like military people, they don't talk softly to you. They definitely use curse words, even if you're only seven years old. And, you know, they don't have a it lot of patience. Home. What's that? It's not, I think that curse work can, can, can give that extra functionality. To yeah, like, it hey, accentuates this it. It's really, really important. You know, fucking listen right now. Yeah. You know, like accentuate. 100%. Yeah. 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 I think that this whole okay. And I think, you know, a, a quote, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it like, like always, but uh, what, what is it? Uh, you, uh, I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. In a war. It's very true. That's a great right. statement. Yeah, I like that yeah. one. Where'd that come from? I forgot who said that, but it's something I like saying all the time. And I'm, I'm sure there's like great quotes on it. I'm sure if you Google yeah. it. They'll, they'll no, that's a exact. really good but, one. That's but that's really essentially the idea, right? Like I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war because that's just, that's what we're going to. Right now we're building a lot of, you know, and I'm a big fan of some of these speakers on YouTube that, that talk about like, you know, oh, what's the guy's name? Jesus. He's a psychiatrist out of Canada. But he says Jordan like, you know. Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Big yeah. fan of Jordan Peterson. And, uh, and some of the things he says, there was one video I saw probably a year ago now that really stuck to me. It was He was like, uh, he, got, he got asked, oh, you, you told men to be violent. It's, it's the interviewer, right? You tell, and he's like, he goes, yes. And he goes, so you tell people, he goes, no, I think people should have the capability to be violent because that capability to be violent and to be able to do violence and then being humble and kind is what, is what makes you a kind and humble person. Yeah. If you're just a kind of humble person, right, you're, you're, not, you're, just, you're literally just weak and you're playing a card. Yeah. But the fact to be able to cause violence and do do harm, which is what military guys have, right? We can we can do harm. We know we can. We've proven it to ourselves, and we've done it. And then we come out of that, and we switch. We we are able to be understanding and comprehending and stuff. And I think the other thing for the military too is like the standard in the military is if you're dying, shit's going to hell. If you're not dying, get shit done. Yeah. So for the rest, you know, for AV, it's like, oh, no one's dying here. Okay, let's just do the work. Yeah. Oh, but I don't want to have to change this. That sucks, but uh, we're going to change it. You know, it's like, just get well, it done. Unless you're dying or bleeding out, there's, yeah. there's nothing to complain about. I mean, it, it's it's like you probably have a whole different concept of what hard is. 
You know what I mean? Like this ain't oh, hard. Yep. This shit ain't hard, guys. Come on. Yeah. This shit ain't hard. Yeah. And getting up uh, at five in the morning, running for three miles. That that's a little challenging. Yeah. Right. But speaking of Goggins, did you ever read the book called I think it was called My Life with a Navy SEAL or something like that? Or or Oh, I haven't. So I have a big reader. I'll have to read that one. The the woman who uh created Spanx and is the CEO of Spanx. Um, yeah. she's married to this guy named, uh, Isler, I think his name is, who's also a, a very famous entrepreneur. But anyways, he keeps doing these crazy things where he challenges himself for 30 days on something like I'm going to eat only healthy food for 30 days. And he writes a book about it or blogs about it or whatever. Awesome. So this time what he did is <laughs> he kept writing to David Goggins saying, you know, I want you to come live with me for 30 days and harden me. And, uh, you know, he was a fitness buff and stuff, but not to David Goggins' level. Of course, not many people are. And uh, so Goggins finally said, okay, I'll do it, but under one condition. You will do anything I tell you to do. You know, well, a couple conditions. I think one was, you know, I got to live with you 24-7 for 30 days, however long this is going on. I got to live with you. <laughs> Number two, you got to do anything I tell you to do. And he said, okay, no problem. And so, I mean, he would wake him up at two o'clock in the morning, make him go outside. It's freezing cold. It's like 30 degrees and raining. Make him go out for a five mile run and then a swim in the like ocean or water or whatever it was yeah. behind the house, the pond, whatever it was. And then go back in, go to bed. And then he'd wake him up again at like 4.30 and go for another run and and then do like 200 chin-ups or something you know just crazy yeah, yeah. stuff that he was making him do every day it's a great book uh you know because it's just like this guy's like ready to just die and he's like you're not waking me. like he'd let him sleep sometimes for 15 20 minutes and then he'd wake him up yeah. again and make him do something else right and he'd do it with him you know it's not like goggins was sitting on the couch while he was out doing all this oh, stuff of course he did it the with him. Like a tank. He's a machine. He's an animal. But yeah, uh, yeah that's a I crazy... wrote it down. My life, my life with a Navy SEAL, right? Something like that. Yeah, I can follow up with you after. I actually have an idea for your, your uh, teaching thing anyways that I want to talk to you about after. Um, 100%. So, yeah, I mean, you know what? I never, ever had the urge to join the military myself. Like when I was young, I, I was a musician and I went on the road with rock bands and stuff had a pretty soft life in comparison. You know what I mean? I was bad. I, I did a lot of bad shit when I was a kid, but uh, I never got caught. So I never got in trouble. So, <laughs> um, but I ended up on the road in a band and just never had the urge to, to go away to the military. Plus I grew up in Canada and in Canada, it's just not something you really did, right? You didn't go to the military. Yeah, yeah. They barely have a military. So generally only the really bad kids where it was either you go to juvenile detention or you're going in the junior ranks or whatever it's called the junior something or other cadet program or something and uh but i sure have a lot of respect for for young men and women who do you know it's it's like wow such a commitment thank you i appreciate that yeah i I appreciate that Honestly, we, you, we don't we don't hear enough as as, ma- as much as you might think it is. We don't hear it enough. Yeah. Well, I know you guys always get deals and you always get to board the friggin' airplane first and all that shit. So you do get some stuff. Oh yeah, I know the benefits. <laughs> like I said, the benefits have been great. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once good. you use those benefits, you're like shit. I'm glad I joined. You know, I, no. At, hindsight, you're like, 
I'm so glad I did this, you know, for me now a decade ago, but I'm yeah. so glad I did it. So tell me, and when honestly, I did it when I was young. So when was, you're going to Disney great. or or you're going on flights or something, do you wear your uniform? No. <laughs> so you can still board <laughs> I first. Have it anymore. <laughs> I, I only have the class A's. I don't have anything else anymore. Oh, uh, okay. I'm just kidding anyways. Nobody would do that, would they? I'm sure some people would. <laughs> There's tons of stolen valor out there. I'm sure there are. Yeah. I'm sure people would. Jumping lines at Disney and getting on the plane first and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Some guys, some, you know, to, to the downside to that part, though, some guys, I have a, a good friend who I joined with who I, we're not close anymore because of this reason. But he, when he left the military, he had this chip on his shoulder is the right word to say, but I don't think that's appropriate. But he had a chip on his shoulder that, that, that this, the world owed him something. Yeah. And I think some guys leave the military with that mentality where, oh, I'd serve my country. You owe me. It's like, dude, no one cares that much. They don't owe you anything. They're yeah. going to give you respect and, and they're going to, they're going to, expect more from you because of that, but they're not going to owe you anything. Yeah. But he left with that mentality. And last time we spoke a couple years ago, he's like a cook at like a restaurant, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't have that. that attitude where it's, where it's owed to you and you expect accolades yep. or you expect gifts or whatever. If it comes, yeah. be very grateful, you know, no matter what, always gratitude is, is probably one of the greatest things in the world. You got to be grateful for stuff. Otherwise you're a douchebag. You know, people who have things <laughs> yes. and they're not grateful for those things become, if they're not already, they become douchebags, right? Right. So, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's that, that perfect. You either are or you're just a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're either grateful or you're a douchebag. Exactly. Yeah. No. And I, like I mean, that. that's the way I raised my son, you know, it, like I never taught him to, you know, here in the South, people call everybody Mr. Like they don't call him by their first name. My son grew up with adults his whole life. So I never... You know, he was at the racetrack all the time. Plus, he's an only child, and my ex-wife and I always had people at the house and parties and all kinds of stuff. So, um, you know, it, it was always adults around. So it wasn't, you know, Mr. Smith or Mr. Jones. It was, hey, Bob, how are you? You know, I mean, right. and very social and all those things. But it was always please and thank you and, you know, no sir, no ma'am. You know, I mean, he he was pretty respectful, and he's very grateful. You know, I mean, he gets to race a car for a living, you know, why wouldn't you be grateful? Right. Oh yeah. So, it's a pretty fun life. So did you do, you actually did active duty. You like went somewhere or you went to. Yeah, I did. I did Afghanistan, Iraq and Kuwait. I got global war in terrorism. Yep. Oh, wow. That is crazy. So what was that like getting off the plane the first time? You know, by the, t so you do three months in Fort Hood, Texas this is the part that people don't know, like most people don't know about you do three months in Port of Texas, pretty much training for this, for the mission. Yeah. So by, by the time you get out there, you're like, I've, I've been on a plane for 14 hours, whatever it is. Uh, I just want to get off this plane. Like whatever you have for me is fine. Yeah. Um, so you're, you know, and it, the first time we went, we were sleeping in like these, uh, they're not tents are not the right word, but it was a tent that had like insulation on it. And then the second time it was, uh, it was super nice. It was badass. Actually we were in, um, we were in, we were in trailers. Yeah. With like rooms yeah with ac oh nice it was like this is great like, yeah <laughs> like this is the best and we had power yeah so and there was a px on site so we were buying just stupid you know being younger than my we were i was god damn i was 21 my the second deployment and it was like oh there's power here there's ac here oh i'm gonna buy an xbox right now and a tv with no oh, taxes cool. on it and when i'm not when i'm not on mission i'm gonna be in my room playing so like <laughs> It was crazy. Guys are playing like Call of Duty on in the military while they're waiting. That for, is like, the next crazy. Week. Practice. Yeah. It's like a simulator, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty practice. much. Be in a room 
yeah. like four of the dudes sharing a room like okay let's just play the xbox because we're all in here right now that's hilarious yeah i so mean you're still so, people right you're still yeah, young still men yeah. i mean why should you yeah. be any different than any other young men just because you happen and, to have and, a weird job to your point like the, the, it's either that or you're in the gym working out yeah <laughs> that's the only option you know yeah. there's no there's nothing else to do except for you know fuck around and do dumb shit or play xbox or go to the gym that but you had to be picking sand out of the crack of your ass for like six months after right oh my god so <laughs> here's here's a great so like um you know they have a hijab which is what they wear on their heads and yeah. the hijabs have patterns to represent different tribes and then they have what's called oh god i can't remember the name right now um but we should make fun because you just call it a man dress yeah um but it's not called a man dress it's got, it's got a national name for it. i can't remember who it is so i apologize for anybody who knows the name but there's a name for it and for whatever reason you would get sand everywhere. So the man dress made total sense because you're going to get sand with a girl. This might as well be comfortable. Yeah. It makes more sense after you shower the first time and, you know, coming from the U.S. to overseas, it's like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to rinse all the sand off me. I'm, I'm going to be good to go. No, because as soon as you step out of that shower to go walk back to your barracks, by the time you get back to your barracks, you're full of sand again anyways. Yeah. Oh my God. It was almost pointless to shower. So yeah. then after like a few months, you're like, well, now I know why they shower once a week because you're going to be dirty anyways the whole time. So what yeah. does it matter? Uh, and I <laughs> so then like the little things. It's not the click though. You know, like the cultural I hate that. I hate like I don't even like going to the beach because I hate having sand all over me. You know, like I, I like the ocean. I I've always loved boats and being on that side looking at the beach. Yeah. But I don't like being on the beach because I can't stand all that sand getting in everything. You know. Ugh. Well, I'll add to your to your dislike for it if you want to tell me in the future as well. What I tell people about overseas is like going to the beach without the water and and having a hot blow dryer in your face the entire time. Yeah. That's what it's like going overseas. I can only oh, imagine. I didn't go to the beach for a long time when I got back because of that, because of that, that same sentiment. I was like, I don't want to touch sand. I don't want to be near this hot stuff. I don't want to be all gross and stuff. Yeah. I go to the beach. I want to go. I'll go to the pool. No problem. But now I have a daughter. She's eight. She loves the beach. I'm like, all right, let's go to the beach. I love the beach too now. <laughs> you know, the other thing that a, a really good friend of mine uh, works for Siemens and he puts in these big uh, gas power plants and stuff uh, into different countries. And so he right. was in Saudi for a couple of years oh, and, shit. uh, I'd talk to him quite often and I'd try texting him weird pictures and stuff. And he'd be like, dude, I can't <laughs> get it. And I said, why? And he said, you have no idea. Like you get caught with anything that resembles porn over here and you, you go to jail. I mean, or you die, yep. you get, you get killed, you get put down, you know, I'm Sh like, Sherry law. Yep. I, I couldn't even believe it. Like his wife couldn't even send him a picture you know, a like scantily clad picture that, uh, you know, cause he, he could have gotten huge trouble for that. We, so. we were told, um, not to touch the women out there. And there's, there's a very, there's a very, uh, cultural, um, I'll say SOP, but, uh, cultural, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a process for how you drive a woman out there. But one of the, like the number one rules is an American never to touch a, a woman out there. Cause she'll be disowned by the family. Similar by being touched by an American. You know, and I didn't know that. So a friend of mine is, he's Muslim, but he's not religious at all. And he, right. he, he, you know, he, he calls himself a, an effing sand N-word and stuff like that. <laughs> like he, he's, he does not care about any of that stuff. But yeah. so he invited me to a polo match once because I'm here in Wellington. And I went to the polo match and his wife was with him. I didn't know. So, you know, of course, I went to kiss her on the cheek and she just oh. froze. And I was like, I'm sorry, did I do something wrong? And she goes, oh, I guess you don't know. 
<laughs> and I said, no. And she said, you're not even supposed to address me. You know, and yeah. she goes, it's okay. I'm, I'm not a, upset or anything, but, you know, definitely don't ever kiss a Muslim woman like that, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I was like, yeah. I felt so bad, you know, like I just broke the law or something. I didn't know. Technically, yeah, being... but free law, yeah. You, so the, the men are in charge. It's, it's, it's like, it's like a, a matriarchy, except instead of a woman in charge, it's the men in charge. So the point to where the woman isn't supposed to be even allowed in the room when right. another man hit having conversations she has to be out there unless summoned by the husband yeah and you're not you're not to mention her or talk about her or bring her up at all conversation unless the husband has brought it up already or it's because she did something wrong to the village or yeah. whatever xyz yeah a whole bunch of rules that which for us in the u.s we're just like what? i mean chauvinistic males would go oh yeah that's awesome it's <laughs> ridiculous you know it really yeah. is ridiculous like i don't uh -huh. care who you are or what you think of women or anything it, i do care but um that's just ridiculous you know yeah it's it's 2023 now come on right and it's it's the culture right it's part of the yeah. part of the culture yeah. and it's like okay well that's what you've chosen got it yeah yeah i mean you know i guess to each his own you know it is their country uh i understand why people are upset about that though because we've come a long way since those days you know like women can vote yep. women can play at men's golf courses and all kinds I of agree. other things Women can be in the military. Uh, how does that well, go? Now, over? And now, now we're breaking the line, right? Now we're like, women can be men now and do oh, men's yeah. sports. Things. And now that's like that's where it gets a little blurry. Yeah, let's let's so, get off that topic because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but what's it like though when you have women soldiers over there? Like, are they somehow offended? Does that cause some kind of yeah, cultural? Yeah. So when I, when I was in. Um, Women weren't allowed to be in infantry yet when I was in. I got out in oh. 2011. Okay. So I joined a long time. But um, we did have female medics and we did have, uh, um, they were attached to the, to the infantry division. And these women were not, they were not pushovers. They were not these, you know, princey like, oh, I got to be taken care of. No, these yeah. were like, I'll whoop your ass if you touch me or look at me the wrong way. Yeah. Um, so the women that I dealt with in the military on the infantry side were badasses. Mm. Uh, they're all great, great women. They're all badasses. Yeah. Some, you know, some of them were princy. Some of them were, you know, oh, I'm a girl. Yeah. Uh, but most of them were, you know, held to the same standard, if not more, because yeah. of it. Well, I mean, hey, if they're deciding to do the same stuff that you're doing, you know what I mean? Like going out and fighting for your country and all that stuff, and they're handling the weapons and the hard work, and they're going yep. through the same training you are, then they ain't pushovers. <laughs> That's yeah, for damn sure. 100%. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, it, there there was a few women who were in different divisions that were, you know, you're a total girly girl, you're never gonna touch a weapon, or you're never gonna do this because you got it. But the girls who were attached to the infantry side, yeah, they would ass in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. So when you came back here in like 2011 or 12 or whatever, was it immediately decided that this is the business you're going into? Yeah. Once I got out of the military, I went right back into the, into the family business. Yeah. This, this is this is what I always wanted to do, even when I was a kid. I I did the military thing to get structured, to get some benefits, to get uh, college paid for. Um, I went there to kind of like meet and and grow and and again, like like we said earlier, right? Uh, I the friends that I was hanging out with were like the drinkers, the partiers. Yeah. Um, they had no plans after high school, and I didn't either, honestly. Yeah. But I was like, you know what, the military will give me some direction at least, and give me some guidance to to push my to push my life forward. Discipline, yeah. yeah. And my, you know, my dad had raised me. Uh, my dad had raised me from my, my you know from like twelve, thirteen all the way up. So I had I felt like a uh, a duty to owe to my father to like step up my game and not just not just depend on him all the time. Yeah, yeah. Be more than a fuck up. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs>
Well, you seem to be I think doing I did okay. Pretty well, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. did pretty good. So, um, I want to get into uh, all of your roles now because you have a few of them, I guess. But first, uh, AV Educate. So, where did that concept come from? First of all, it's a not for profit, which is, yes. you know, I'm an entrepreneur and that's sort of a taboo swear word. <laughs> <laughs> not for profit. <gasps> yeah. So, tell me I, it's I'm not, not true. The, so AV Educate was built out of, um, I had a job years ago, about five, six years ago, I had a job at the Fountain Blue as an operations manager. And, um, and that's when I, my daughter was born and I was trying to you know, get more secure work and, and expand, expand my skill sets. And I'd gotten really good at the video side. Obviously, I, I grew up doing it and I, I did it with my father and then I did it as, as a lead of stuff. And I was like, I'm pretty comfortable in this role between anything and video right now. I'm pretty good at what I do. My pre-pro needed to be improvements. And I, and I thought, and there's still things I need to improve on, obviously, but I thought that if I could be on the manager side for a little bit and figure out the frustration I have on show side all the time, which I feel like aren't my fault. Um, I feel like they're not properly organized shows. Yeah. So I took a job as an operation manager and proved myself correct. And hey, these things that I saw as problems were because the people planning these shows were not doing a very good job. Um, so I saw how to do that. And then... During the course of that year and a half, two years of this company, uh, back when they were called SAV before they got bought out by uh, mm-hmm. Encore, yeah. um, I had started training my team internally at the Fountain Blue, and I started volunteering myself to go to the properties to help out, to just do video shows, because that's what I like to do anyways. This got up to corporate. Corporate uh, asked if I would do a, a letter, a monthly newsletter for the company about training. So I said, yeah, sure, not a problem. I'll, you know, we, we need this because as a company, I keep hearing, you know, I keep hearing we fill the records, we fill the decimators, blah, 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 blah. And these are, these are simple solves that either needed a checklist or needed a, a, you know, a little bit of training or whatever it was. So I started doing this. And then when I left that company, I had posted four different things on LinkedIn. And this was when LinkedIn had uh, ClickShare or something like that back in the day. They still have it, but it's not as publicly known, I guess. Um, and I did one on like video signal flow and I did one on uh, projectors and one on decimators and then one on uh, recording. And I posted them online for people to see, to you know, get whatever the information they want. And I did, I think they want on taxes too. I did online. And then like within a year of me leaving the company, I had two guys ind- independently. One was Michael Hudson and one was Kathy Liu. And they're like, hey, how come you're not training anymore? I used to watch, I used to look at all your content. You were so good at that. And you used to post, and I used to post these little, little things that I was just like, hey guys, you know, on my own personal social media account, like, hey guys, if you're doing this, this is wrong. You should be doing it this way. This is why, you know, little like t- tidbits. Um, and I was like, man, I didn't think anybody was paying attention outside of the company. So I said, you know what? I wrote down a napkin idea. The community constantly needs education. No one's providing a resource for that. No one's providing a central hub of where this all is. Because there's tons of it out there, right? Tons of us are doing podcasts. Tons of us are doing videos. Tons of us are doing classes. Tons of us are doing teaching. Tons of us are willing to, to give our, our, our knowledge to the next generation. But no one's organizing that data. So I said, you know what? I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll provide that platform for people to, to uh, share stuff and organize stuff. And um, it's education. So I wanted to call it AB education. Well, when I Googled it, a lot of things are called AB education. And uh, if you're, you know, been as long as you and me have, AB education literally stems towards the classrooms and schools and universities. So it'd be tricky, tricking on verbiage. So then I said, you know what? What's kind of like a slang word for it? I went to Google, typed in alternative verbiages. And AB educate, which still meant education, came up as an alternative spelling for education. So I called it AB Educate, Googled it. No one had that at the time. This was five years ago. No one had it at the time. I said, cool, I'm going to run with that, trademarked it, uh, put it into a company thing. And 
boom, now, you know, five years later, we have AVHK. And what I've done essentially is if you, if you looked at the YouTube channels, if you looked at the, the podcast, the, the YouTube channel is hard skills. So we've gotten literally people from the community who are professionals in what they do. They created two hour videos and we did these live during the pandemic, right. To create resources for the community based off of the community itself. On the podcast side, we found people to come in and talk about the soft skills, which I think is, is equally as important as the hard skills. And we did a whole thing of that. We have a hundred and, something videos on each side of that they're on social media for you guys to watch and learn whatever you want. And then um, we do, we, for AV educate, we do, we do general V. So essentially the idea is to do a general V class to take a stage hand and teach them how to be a, te- a technician, right? That, that kind of that next level. Yeah. So I wanted, I always wanted AV educate to be that stepping stone. And that was the other problem I found too, as, as I started building this out, that there was no stepping stone. So if you go to the group page, there's tons of PDFs, there's tons of eBooks, there's tons of documents, there's tons of PowerPoints. There's constantly shares of other people's classes that are out there in the world, not just AV Educate, not just Evolve, but all kinds of from all over the world so that you have a centralized source to get that. And mind you, yes, most of it is me, um, but some of it is other guys. Some, some people uh, volunteer their time, they help out or they share things or they do it for themselves to share, which is fine as well. The nonprofit side came in from, I don't want to be, I don't want to buy gear. I don't want to, I don't want to be in competition with people that I work with and I don't want to do labor. Right. So, so what is the the business here? And what I found out was AV companies and manufacturers are more inclined to work with a nonprofit if they can get the money back. Right. So it's always a money thing. So if I could say, Hey, if you send me your piece of gear, your, your Aqualon, which costs X amount of dollars, it, all I need to do is have a, a, um, not a lawyer. I only need to have an appraiser say that the price you're, you're charging for is the uh, appropriate price for what it's being charged for. I can give you with no money transferred at all a, a dollar value discount for the end of the year for your taxes, assuming you even need that. But the real point was is, is for the freelancers. How did the freelancers get the right to soft? And there's two ways to do that. There's one is if you have a business, you can write off a certain amount per year. But the caveat is you can't do that if you are the business owner, right? So then that's out the window. The other option is you can actually write off, I think it's $200 a year off a of, off of training, which is great, but you shouldn't be limited to just me. So what I offer now is we do classes in general. The students can now get a discount for that class in addition to any other class they wanted to take. So there is no, there's no, there's no excuse anymore that, oh, I, I can't afford this. It's because yeah. you can. You're going to get the out and you're going to get it back at the end of the year. So there's no excuse for I can't afford this anymore. And then beyond that, the nonprofit status also gives me the status of being a, an actual uh, uh, educational institution. So with that status, it's the only way I could got that, that official seal of approval from the, 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 you know, the United States saying you are officially a school of some sort. Here it is with a nonprofit we got and the, the NIC code that we assigned to it. So those are kind of the reasons we went down that route. And then the last thing we went down that route for is that we want to be able to collaborate with more people and be, and do more things. And it's not about the money. Sometimes it's more about the collaborations. Right. We'll, we'll make money in other ways, but it's always to build the community out. And if I was a for-profit institution, I become competition not more than I become competition and not a collaborator. Interesting view. I mean, it's definitely an interesting view. Like I, I am the consummate entrepreneur. And so when I look at training new AV people, you know, to me, that would become, you know, live events educator, you know, something beyond AV even, um, because, you know, obviously since COVID there's been all this attrition and, and, uh, there's just a lot of people needed in all parts of our industry, whether it's, you know, AV or concert touring or other types of shows, just, you know, there's not enough technical help, uh, or even installers, you know, like I know a lot of, uh, integrators who are looking for an installation people right now. And, um, so, 
you know, I see, I see a business where, you know, on one end you've got these green raw people coming in and on the other end you have, you know, you're dealing with recruiters and stuff and you actually have a placement uh, part of the business where you're able to go out and put these people in jobs and companies will pay for those people and they'll pay a fee for you to bring them those people. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, I understand. I get the nonprofit thing. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I just think that sometimes not-for-profit businesses get in the way of scale. You know, it's, it's easier to scale a for-profit business because you don't really have to stay between any lines. You can do whatever the hell you want. And there's an incentive, obviously, for you, for shareholders, for potentially for other employees who you want to give shares in the company or whatever. Um, so that's the only reason I say that. Well, Not so, saying you're so wrong and my, I'm right, by the way. No, no, no. You're 100% right, actually. And, and my rebuttal to that is only that the only major difference between the way you're talking about business and the way the nonprofit runs is that my profits have to be publicly exposed yeah. yearly. And I have to give what is considered a fair, reasonable amount for anything I pay out. Um, that is the biggest difference. The, the other, the other thing is that, um, to your, to your point as well, all of these you said are great and I've gone down those routes and maybe I'm not a good, a good enough business person. Maybe that's what it comes down to. Um, but I have seen in the last five years, including being at Evolve as a director here, there is not enough revenue to cover the other side of this, which is, which is again, for every educator who has no, has no overhead, right? There is no, ex uh, accurate expense for the, the cost of the facility or the cost of the gear. Any class that I do at the press board that we do it at, any class, and for anybody who's watching this, believe me when I say this, no class that we teach you at the press board that we're charging you would cover a day rental cost for the gear that we use. Hmm. Whether it be projectors, cameras, media servers, screen switchers, LED stuff, none of the classes we teach at the press points that we give could cover that if that went out for a rental. So the gear is and donated? Is that the... Uh, <clears throat> every single class that we do is donated gear, yep. The, the gear for AV Educate is my, is my gear that I own. It's enough for a small breakout room. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes we, if we're doing general classes for labor companies or for individual companies that just want to up, up their staff a little bit, we'll use their gear, which is not a lot either. But again, that's donated gear. The facility is a donated facility. We have yet to do, we have yet to come to a point to where students would pay enough money to cover that cost. And I, to give some wild numbers out, right? If I did a, a projector class, right? And I had a, a, a projector, most of the projectors here at EWL, for example, they're all 10K and above. If I did a general V class and you get a, let's say a 5K projector, you pay maybe $2,000 for it. You're making maybe per student $500. Yeah. Once you get past that $500 range, people start complaining about prices. So yeah, so then you get into quantity. And then on the reverse side, so let's say you do 10 students. 10 students is handleable for one instructor. If I do more than 10 students though, not the same quality of class anymore. So now, so now again, I have to bring you- You've got a cap structure. at $5,000 basically. Gotta, yeah. Exactly. Which again, that could have gone out for a show for six days and made its money and, and then more. Yeah. Or four yeah. or five days, right? So it's like, and now you got to remember too. I'm taking this now out of inventory to do for a class. It's not going to even make back close to what it, with the, all that gear in total would have done. Yeah. A general breakout room is like eight thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars for a breakout room, even if it's just two speakers, a screen, a projector. None of the classes we charge are anywhere near that price point. Hmm. So people complain about prices already. The students, the freelancers do, which is fine. I understand why. You know, it, it's your money. It's hard to do stuff. I get that. But anybody that does classes between myself, Nationwide, Evolve. Um, Nathan Lively, you know, I'm sure other people do stuff too. Avixia, they are losing money on the training side left and right, which is why most stuff, this is always a side thing and not a main thing. I see. And, and again, that's my opinion. <clears throat> when I, 
you can be a better businessman than me and people that have been better. Business no, no, it's not a better businessman. I just have a different set of ideas. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah. when you're outside of a business or an industry, like I've never been in the education business. I know a few people who have, like I know I have a good friend who started a charter school, lost his ass and got out of a charter school. But, um, I just have a different set of ideas. So, yeah. you know, we'll talk about this offline. I'll, I'll throw my yeah, ideas no, at you and, and uh, you know, you can take them or leave them. I don't care. I got no skin in the game, so it doesn't matter to me. But I, I, um, I will gladly listen to anything you have to advise me. Trust me. I'm always open to advice. So Evolve is like your day job then, right? Correct. Okay. And so the, the uh, AV Educated's side hustle Evolve is is... So yes and no. So AV Educate Evolve, we, so the reason I came here is I, I took a lot of classes here and I, I, I worked with Tyler and Eli here a lot. And mm -hmm. then what I do for AV Educate is essentially stage hands to technicians. And what Evolve does is technicians to, to engineers or engineers and beyond. I see. So there was a great stepping stone. And one of the concerns that both of us have talked about over the years was that the classes are too expensive. Yeah evolve right and the reason that was is because the guys weren't in positions to take these higher end classes right so it's like how do you get them there well let's send them to av educate they'll do a couple classes of av educate they'll learn a little bit they'll get to that breakout kind of payroll yeah, right so you're so the they feeder get, right they get a bump up and pay and then they can come here and then vice versa when they do a class here it's like hey you need to learn more stuff go to Omar av educate and i'll teach you that extra stuff you need to learn and then come back to the next class or if you fail the class go here first yeah. and the, the, the thing that works out for us on that side is that some stuff is for free, so you can kind of do that at your own pace. And some stuff is paid for, so you can do it and get a little more hands-on. Yeah. It all depends on the student. But uh, on both sides, the issue was, and like any, any business, the issue was the money side of things. But at least this way, and for me, the way I like to think about it is that I control the flow now. So now I can take you from Greenhorn to expert in a couple of years. Right. Uh, and I've done this in an experiment with, with friends of mine. There's a, there's a, uh, a, my best friend, I call my brother, his name is Christopher Brown. If you guys don't meet him, please Get, make it make his job as hard as possible just so he has to experience that but he's been doing this for about two years he started off as a no as a, as a no, nobody he started off as a stagehand uh now he's doing lead, lead position roles but I, it took me and him catering and doing these classes online doing these things in person him going and, and what i will say is he did the one thing that most people won't do and he took the time to go online and get certified he took the time to go online and learn something he took the time to go home and get hands-on with xyz piece of gear to get more stuff and he called and said hey can i use blah blah, blah. i did a show i had a problem i want to i want to fix it yeah no problem come on in so i, I mentioned him getting that opportunity but i i, I know that the the chain works because i've seen it done and i've done it and i've employed it to people yeah. and i've seen it and then another buddy of mine, mike latch a great lighting engineer he went to a video we did the same process and it took me less time with it because he already had a bunch of experience but same process he he took uh av educate stuff uh took some hands-on stuff with me personally and then went to evolve took some other stuff and then he grew in that field very quickly because he got the he got the he got the essentially what i call groundwork right from here to here instead of just throw you into the fire and hope you figure it out so on the av educate side is it all people finding you or are you going out and prospecting for new students to come in and, and trying to grow the industry grow the market um, so it's always me finding students, at least as far as that goes. I don't, I'm sure people find me as well. So now it's kind of a little bit of both. Thankfully, I have, I have a big enough reputation, but it's me constantly outreaching and, and communicating and going on show site and talking to people and letting them know. Because the other thing too, is a lot of people still, you know, 10 years later, oh, I don't know where to get research from. I don't know. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know you know where to go. And it's like, there's tons of it out there. What are you talking about? I, I usually just say, Hey, just follow my page. And then once you find something, once you post something you like, if that's more of your 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 workflow, 
follow them back and just go down the rabbit hole. Like um, Nathan and I, we talk a lot. We, we've done a couple summits together over the co- couple last couple of years. He does great stuff. I have no interest in audio. I like his content. I like the way Nathan is. And I've had students that have gone to him saying, hey, I found you to be educated. And they've taken his classes. And, and that's the whole point, right? It's like, this is a platform for you to meet whatever that is you want to go to. And if you don't know where that is, go here first. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I don't like gatekeeping people, right? I'm not keeping, I don't keep a pixie out. I don't keep Evan Ring out uh, from nationwide video. I don't keep, you know, not, no one's, no one's not able to post. Anyone can post whatever they want. So it's educational or, or towards the industry as far as learning something new. Yeah. What, we, what we do stop is we stop the labor calls. We stop the, you know, random, random stuff about, you know, random spam videos and like that. But I don't ever stop anything when it comes to education. If, it, if you guys want to post it on, on the pages, go ahead and do it. Because yeah. to me, it needs to be a resource for the community so you guys can learn it and go down that rabbit hole. And if you guys want to do classes, what another thing that we do too is we, we coordinate that with other, with other uh, trainers. So if there's a lighting class you want to do, like for example, if this comes out in time, in, in Atlanta, uh, end of the month, this month actually, 27, 29, there's a class going on with Richard Cardino who wrote the book on lighting or one of the books on lighting, but he, his book is all about lighting and power. Well, me and I know me Richard and, uh, really well. Yeah. Yeah. So him, me and, and Joe, uh, Rebecca Joy, We've been recording with him for that class yesterday at the end of the month. We've been collaborating with it and sharing it on our platforms to help that happen. And we're going to try to both be there at the same time for him to show that support for that because we want people to know, hey, we we support this and help this, and we we made these connections. And he talked to us months ago to make this happen. We said, yeah, that's let's just make it happen. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's see what the community wants <clears throat> for it. Richard, and that's we Richard's do a very time. smart guy, really, really oh, bright guy. I love this book. I, I bought his book today. We met. I read through it. Not a lighting guy, but it had a lot of good information about power that I, I I've been using now to this day. I'm like, oh shit, that was really that's yeah. a good thing I read that. But you know, it might it was like a paragraph here in chapter three, and well, I was like, I had I've focus. known Richard 30 years probably, but I had him on the podcast once and he was telling me some statistics on how many people die have died from being electrocuted by a microphone. I was like, What? Oh, this is a thing. And he goes, thing. You wouldn't believe it, but it is. You know, and I mean, so he was giving me all these statistics on people getting electrocuted by microphones. I was shocked. Uh, really, really surprising. So, I mean, is there, it's, it's very specifically video though, right? It's like, there's no uh, thoughts because like I'm constantly talking with companies about the fact that there's just a massive gap right now for talent in regular show personnel, you know, lighting people, yeah. sound people, staging people, video people, uh, whether it's, you know, one-off shows or festivals or whatever, or full touring. And individual companies are trying to create these sort of recruiting teams and these situations where they're recruiting people and teaching people. And it's it's causing you know, not only stress on the industry because there's not enough people, but it's also causing some safety concerns, you know, because you're, you're blending in very inexperienced people who may or may not have had complete training, uh, with proper crews and those crews, it, it becomes very tiring for people who really do know what they're doing to be out there with these rookies who don't know what they're doing and stuff like that. So I just see such a huge need for good training, good recruiting, you know, getting out on the ground and going to high schools and saying, Hey, you could go on tour with these huge rock and roll bands. Is that something you'd be interested in doing? Come on over here, sign up, you know, and kicking those people out on the road with, you know, a proper certificate saying I've done this, you know, something other than full sale. 
so there, there's a there's a in the corporate AV side, which is mainly my bread and butter, right? Mm-hmm. E- Evolve is only video. AV education is video, audio, and lighting. Uh, for me as a trainer, though, primarily I stick to video and audio. Uh, Mike Leitchin and what do you got against lighting? I just don't know. So I never run a console. I'm a competent L2. I just never run a console. I see. And I just my I know this sounds weird because I'm in shape, but I don't like that it's so heavy. That's why I never learned lighting. It's just a lot of heavy stuff, a lot of trust involved, a lot of wiring going on. Yeah. It's not my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why I never went to lighting. I get it. Um, Weren't we just talking about soft guess, young people, you know, who I know aren't I, willing I, to know, put in the work and yeah. Yes, work smarter than the hardest. You're way bigger than me, so I won't come out and call you a pussy or anything, but damn. <laughs> That's okay. You can do that. Listen, I, I, a competent L2, just not the L1 guy. There you I go. can help you run a small show on like a leprechaun or Eon. That's about it. Anything past that, I'm, yeah. I'm out of my Well, head. let me let you in on a secret. Nobody uses leprechaun consoles anymore. And, it, and That's how old my, my knowledge is on lighting then. Damn yeah. It. Yeah. You sure? I'm pretty sure Encore still has some leprechauns laying around. Uh, they might. They <laughs> might. Yeah, they might. So, um, I forgot the point we're talking about now. Now, now, now my brain We've been all over the place. Now. Yeah, we've been all over. No, I mean, I understand the relationship now with, uh, between Evolve and, and AV Educate. You know, basically, you know, you're grabbing these green people who just want to enter into the industry and you're giving them that first layer. You're, you're like uh, uh, elementary and middle school and then yeah. you push them up to high school at, at uh, yeah. Evolve. Basically. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, in the AV world, it seems like companies have done a pretty good job setting up training programs and, and making sure that, you know, again, we're battling that attrition thing and, and trying to fill the hole in the market. And I assume the hole in the market in, in AV is massive. It sure is in touring and stuff too. You know, part of that is, educating on the front end, which by that, I mean, sort of a marketing program more than anything else, like putting together marketing videos that show a lifestyle and that show, you know, I was talking with, uh, I don't know if you know, a lighting designer called Suna Ruthier, but she, she was the LD for Kiss, uh, the Muse, Coldplay, the big Coldplay tour that's out now. Um, she does a lot of really big bands and she's just, she's an unbelievable LD and a really great person as well, but she's getting involved in a lot of education things right now. And she said, one of the biggest challenges or problems that we face as an industry is people think of us as a bunch of carnies, you know, and they don't realize that first of all, this is a real job with real skill sets and real, uh, everything, but it's also real pay. Like you can come out fairly early in your career and make a hundred grand a year on tour with a big band and you can see the world for free. You know, basically you can travel around the world and, and see all these countries that you'll probably never go to otherwise. And it's a pretty great lifestyle. And, uh, so she said, you know, that that's basically the big part that's missing is just the education and marketing side of it at the front end to get people interested in even coming in. Yeah, so it's a problem we, we deal with here at Evolve and it's a problem we deal with at Educate. And, and for AV Educate, we're, I'm hoping that the that the grant writer we have helps bring some money in to bring more of that stuff out. It's also a double-edged sword. So to the corny point, right? Maybe it's to our advantage right now to do that because no one is looking at us and looking at the prices we're charging. So maybe it is an advantage. To the other point of that, though, is because there is nothing out there for us, 
it's sky's the limits, which sounds cool. Unless you're me, who's like, well, I got to make something then, which means I have freedom of right to do whatever I, well, I want to do to make whatever I want to do. So for example, I have three children's books I want to write out. Yeah, They're written out, but I'm not an illustrator. So I got to find someone to do that stuff. And it takes time. Chat GPT. Because they're, I didn't use Oh, well, I, I wrote about this. No, but there. you I can use, you can use AI to do your illustrations for you now. Oh, it's, I didn't think about the illustration it's side. Yeah, so you're right. good. It's so good. You can just I'll say, give me an illustration on a, you know, a duck with a banana coming out of his beak or something, you know, and boom. I'll have to try that because In comes that's the, the next part, right? Yeah. There is no, there's no like, um, there's nothing, there's nothing promoting us. And right. so one of the things that I'm doing here is I'm, I'm creating that for ABH can create content and then evolve, but evolve has been doing a lot of times. And, and believe it or not, we get a lot, we get a lot more no's than yeses, but we've been reaching out to the colleges and the universities and the high schools to do speaker engagements, to do talks, to do things like that. And we've been using that point, that same point you just made. Hey, this is a career. You can make a hundred thousand dollars within the first Omar, couple of years. Omar, this is of so simple. You, you have the perfect path to follow the military. You know, look at their recruiting yeah. program and how they show you flying around in really cool jets and going to all these cool places and hanging out with buddies right. and all this stuff. They don't show you getting killed and picking sand out of your ass for <laughs> 10 years. You know, they don't show That's you that true. stuff. They show you the fun part of it and the exciting well, part Well, we need of more it. content. The, yeah. we need, like, there's a lot of... There's no, a lot but of... you got to create a thousand TikTok videos and, yeah. and Instagram reels that are just people out doing these really cool shows and show the result and show the person having a great time and, and have words on the screen, you know, make X amount of dollars per week doing this unbelievable job. Training is only blah, blah, blah. And we'll help you get, you know, your first gig. And I mean, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. That shit to me going out to kids who are sitting on the couch with a, uh, you know, an Xbox remote in their hand and a bag of Cheetos and their dad's yelling at them to get a job. They're going, whoa, this is cool. I was just going between like, you know, dancing pigs on TikTok and I saw this video pop up and, you know, I found a gig, dad. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, you're, you're right. I should do it that way. and Go to where they are. To... You know what I mean? Like, I don't you know can... what that is, where they are. Yeah, go to where they are, you know. That's like oh, uh, the old. Yeah, go to where they are. Go to Go to where they're hanging out, like TikTok and Instagram, obviously, but. Um, you know, there, there's this old, there's a hockey player. Cause I'm going to have to explain this to you. Cause a, you're young, B you're Spanish, Hispanic and, and C you're probably not a hockey guy cause you live in the United States, but there's this hockey player who, uh, is one of the best that ever played arguably the best named Wayne Gretzky. And he has this really famous quote that's always used, uh, where somebody asked him, you know, how come you're able to score more goals and get more assists and you're so much more successful than anyone else? Why? And he said, because I go where the puck isn't. You know, I go to where the puck isn't. Like, I basically anticipate where it's going to be. I don't follow yeah. it around like everybody else does. I go to where it's not and make myself open. I like so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, you know, I just really look at this as a marketing problem, a branding problem for each part of our industry, the AV side of it, touring side of it, touring, like to me, somebody just needs to go out and invest in, you know, shooting some really cool, uh, content and putting it together and, and kicking it out, showing how amazing life could be. So if, Kenny Barnell is a name you guys should know about. He does a lot of stuff for the live touring side. Mm -hmm. He's got two books out right now, specific to that market. And he's got a whole thing called the 
I don't know what his program is. I'm sorry, but it's something like the touring, the touring program, a touring guide, something like that, where he teaches people to get into the touring industry. Hmm. What's his name? Kenny Barnell. I don't know why I don't know him. That's interesting. I'm marketing, bad marketing. Yeah, but I get myself into most of these situations somehow. You know, like there's there's a place called Rock Lidditz. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with Rock oh, Lidditz. Yeah. So, so Rock Lidditz, um, to my, to my, so to, to, my uh, to my concern right now, they just partnered up with Backstage Academy out of Europe. Right. Which is huge. Yeah. So they're about to bring it to the U.S. Yeah. Right. But Rock Lidditz has a badass facility. It's a yeah. great location. It's got a badass hotel. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. But the facility is super, super cool. And now they're about to bring in Backstage Academy, which has a program specifically geared to this industry. They have to. And- Again, somebody with deep pockets has to do this because, you know, otherwise our industry is just going to suffer, you know, and prices are going up so high on people because there's such a shortage of people. So the really good ones, you know, are able to price themselves so high. And then there's only so many of those people. So, you know, it's just, it's getting a little bit crazy right now. But um, anyways, the reason I brought up Rock Lidditz is there was just a, uh, uh, you know, the production uh, community put on a, uh, a conference and it was some very, very top production managers, people who work for the Stones and uh, U2 and, you know, some of the biggest bands in the world. So their production managers and managers, tour managers and stuff all went in and did this big training thing. And it, it was just hugely successful. It was $399 for like a three-day program, I think. And yeah. they sold out completely. And I thought it should have been $1,500. You know, I, I was like, $399. do not you think you could have priced it a little higher? But um, but yeah, just wildly successful. I mean, there's there's a hunger for it. But you just have to, you got to get in front of people and and, yeah. you know, Show them, hey, here's a cool new lifestyle you could jump in. I don't know. I'm telling you how to do your job. You know how to do it, not me. I no, but I'm no always, always down for the better options, right? Because yeah. maybe I'm not doing it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, again, I think it's cool that companies, you know, even companies in, in the touring industry, like, uh, you know, Upstaging and uh, I know Clearwing Audio does something. And there's there's a lot of internal sort of recruiting and training programs happening now because of need you know they just need new people and so they're going out and doing like career days at schools and stuff like that and uh so yeah i mean to me it's a marketing thing it's a marketing and branding problem more than it is just attrition because if you're relying on 65 year old people to run your industry at some point obviously (laughs) you know they're going to age out you're going to need some new people coming in pretty quickly and especially yep. as big as the the industry has grown over the past few years, it's just it, the scale has just become enormous. Uh, I'm sure on the AV side as well. Definitely, no. It's it's getting bigger, and bigger every year, and, and the concerns are growing more and more with it. And to to that downside, right, is that we are getting bigger, we're getting we are getting better. And since the last three years or three years ago, from what happened three years ago, uh, like you're saying, the older guys, a lot of them just retired out and they're done with it. Yeah. And now the guys like myself who are just like, hey. We're, we're good, but like you were way better than me. Like, yeah. oh, now we're top dog. I'm like, oh shit, there's so much more I, have, I don't know yet. Yeah. But now these guys didn't know a quarter of what I know. And like, they need to get cut off fastly because now what's going to happen is, you know, your generation took the corporate AV industry or the AV industry in general, right? And you guys l- lifted up to this point. And now my generation has to even maintain that. And we're kind of like doing this. 
Like, yeah. no, we want to keep doing this. They they got us to these good prices and there's good points here. Don't 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 start doing this because the new guys we got two. Yeah, guys. so I mean, there's there's a few bits of good news there though. You know, one the demand is high, which which is very good. You know, and if you don't currently have like placement facilities or placement function within your company, you should. I don't know why you don't because I would, uh, because yeah. that would be additional revenue. You know, I'd go create partnerships with all of the big or small. Uh, like I could tell you a company right now that would love your phone number and would hire half the people coming out of your, uh, uh, out of your facility. But, um, you know, so I would, I would add that in for sure. And, uh, I forget where I was going with this conversation, but yeah, I mean, I just see so many opportunities there. Like, I just think you're in a great spot right now. Uh, but you need to create some scale, you know, it, you need yeah. to grow it and, and be able to handle, uh, more people. Oh, the other opportunity that I was thinking. So a couple of opportunities. One is need. The other one is you have um, a, a huge stable of educators available to you, all those people who retired. you know. So all of those people who said, yeah, I can't do the work anymore. The shit's too heavy and the hours are too long and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to. Ah, but will you teach a course? And uh, I'm sure most of those people would love to. I mean, you know, one thing I do know about my generation, the older guys, is that we really do like to mentor people and we do love to pass on knowledge and information to people. And, uh, you know, we get a kick out of it. I think it's, it, it cleanses some of our old sins, you know, <laughs> makes us feel oh, better about how bad we screwed up. Yeah, I know. No, the stories you guys give in general when you're teaching classes is that's where the real money's made from is like, I, I do it this way because X, Y, Z reason. It's like, Boom. That's when you stand it now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. What a cool business. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, that you reached out and I got you on the, on the podcast. Hey, you're a, you're a fun person to talk to, but, um, you know, I love learning about the education side of things. I think it's just wildly important, especially right now. So it's very cool. Oh, this is a great conversation as well. I appreciate that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, Let's uh, let's grab a call at some point. I'd I'd love to talk to you about a couple other ideas I have uh, related to your business that uh, may or may not be helpful. So again, I don't yeah, I don't pretend to know everything. I just have lots of ideas. Some are stupid. So. <laughs> All ideas are great to me because I get to I get to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. I will. Uh, we'll schedule a call whenever you want, man. I'll make I'll make my time available at any time. And this will go up today. Uh, they get oh, posted, cool. okay. they get put up pretty quickly and and they're on nice. all the all the different podcast uh, mediums and stuff. But I'll send you a link directly to the podcast. Yeah, same with well. like, and I'll share it on all my channels as well, and I'll see if Eva evolve and can share it on those channels as well. Absolutely. All right, Omar. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Talk it. Talk to you later. All right. Okay.
Taking you in into my sweet 